Welcome back to the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast show, where we discuss general health, fitness, and science. This month, I'm releasing a special micronutrient series, where I will be breaking down the fundamentals of vitamin and mineral metabolism so that you can better understand its mechanism and subsequent impact on your well-being. I do believe that we have somewhat of a fine understanding about macronutrients already, especially as fitness enthusiasts, and I think it's time to explore the depths of what micronutrients really entail. I know you're going to love this series, as I've been working on this initiative for quite some time now. Whether you're walking your dog, driving to work, or doing household chores, you're in for a great adventure. Let's start with niacin, shall we? So niacin, this guy is a B vitamin that we will be exploring. And specifically, it is vitamin B3. And in a nutshell, our bodies will use niacin to turn your yummy food into energy. And mechanistically, what this means is that niacin is used by at least 470 different proteins that drive bioenergetic, anabolic, and catabolic pathways in the form of NAD or NADH. Why is this so important? In order to improve some of your compound lifts, in order to build lean muscle and drop body fat, we need to really understand anabolic and catabolic pathways and how they intertwine with bioenergetic reactions in our body. Several foods have niacin, so it's pretty easy to get your daily intake from your existing diet. For example, natural forms of niacin are going to include animal liver, turkey and pork especially, and brown rice. In fact, about a cup of cooked brown rice contains 18% of the RDA for men and 21% for women. However, it's important to note that the research has suggested that only 30% of the niacin in grains is available for our absorption, making it less optimal as a source than other animal sources. You're not what you eat, but rather you're what you absorb, and we absorb our niacin through the stomach and small intestine. There's this niacin deficiency disease that I wanted to tell you about. It's called pellagra, and this includes symptoms such as inflamed skin, dementia, and gastrointestinal diseases. Interestingly, Way back in the day in the 1950s, physicians noticed that many of these symptoms were similar to schizophrenia symptoms. For example, in experiments that supplemented high-dose niacin to people with schizophrenia, a therapeutic effect was actually noticed with this subset of patients. And it was found that this increased concentration of niacin that stimulated enzymes decreased cofactor binding. And... Why this is important is that it is theorized that schizophrenics may have some genetic disorder that requires them to have a higher dietary niacin intake because of poor binding affinity with the cells that actually require niacin for those pathways that I talked about. Simply put, more niacin led to more enzymes opening up the receptors that like niacin to help it metabolize. Right? 
There are such things called nice and responsive genetic orders, where many people find that increased concentration of niacin through their dietary intake help with the binding affinity with those receptors. Right. Like moving forward, we've all required to we were required to take a high school biology class in ninth grade. I remember it, and you probably remember it as well. And that's where we learned about NAD or NADH. So niacin is actually the precursor to NAD. And this guy NAD it has two roles. One, it can be a cofactor for redox reactions. Or two, it can be a substrate to control DNA repair and other genomic regulatory functions. Let's just preface that NAD can be recycled by coupling other redox reactions. And this is important because your body already has mechanisms for retaining important vitamins so that we don't need a constantly high intake. My professor once called NAD like the Ryan Seacrest of vitamins because um, like Ryan Seacrest is involved in many many things and NAD is involved in more reactions than any other known vitamin derived molecule. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty mechanism for my science aficionados. right? There are three forms of niacin before it becomes NAD from our diet, namely nicotinic acid, nicotinamide, and nicotinamide riboside. The form of niacin matters because research has revealed that pharmacological doses of nicotinic acid particularly, but not nicotinamide, will have benefits for heart disease such as reducing VLDL, serum cholesterol, and TAG while increasing HDL. This is probably due to the fact that nicotinic acid has a high affinity for G-protein-coupled receptors that nicotinamide does not have, and when these G-protein-coupled receptors are activated and create some sort of cascade for other cellular reactions, this is how lipid profiles are benefited. So, for the next three minutes or so, I want to discuss four types of enzymes, okay? Right, these are our four friends. We got friend number one, which is PARP. Friend number two, sirtuin. Friend number three, CD36. And friend number four, IDO. Right? So all these friends, all these four types of enzymes, right? They are known to control NAD levels so that your body constantly has a steady supply of NAD considering the number of reactions that NAD is involved in. For instance, PARP, right? It uses NAD for DNA repair when you have DNA damage, and that's how you're protected from cancer in one way. Secondly, right, I want you to understand that the activation of PARP is directly proportional to how much DNA damage there is. Two, our friend Sirtuin. Sirtuin will use NAD for an epigenetic impact. And what that means is that your chromatin in your DNA, right, it's going to be altered. And for number three, CD38, it will use NAD to generate calcium release in your cells for the immune system. And there's this mechanism for your immune system to react to chemical stimuli known as chemotaxis. And chemotaxis is needed for your immune cells to respond to fight infection. And there's a study where... Um, Mice were deficient in CD38, 
meaning that they are deficient in the enzyme that uses NAD to promote a, a immune mechanism. And in these mice, it was found that they had persistent NAD levels, but were very susceptible to infection due to the lack of chemotaxis, right? These three enzymes I just talked about, right? We got our friend PARP, we got sirtuin, we got CD38. They all use NAD as their primary ingredient in their recipe to drive cellular reaction and will produce nicotinamide, right? We just talked about how we have three types of, of NAD, right? Um, and this fella, nicotinamide, will be recycled back into NAD via this pathway called the salvage pathway so that we can reuse NAD once again and repeat this cycle. So that's how you get NAD recycled as these helper enzymes use them to promote human biology functioning. But what if we want to make NAD from scratch, right? Like you can't have like a certain supplement that says this has NAD. So what do we do? No problem. That's why we have our fourth pal, IDO. So what IDO does is that it breaks down tryptophan from our immune cells in this second pathway called the de novo synthesis pathway to make more NAD, right? There's two pathways. You have the salvage pathway where we use NAD um, to use the already available NAD to drive cellular reactions that essentially save your body from um, many conditions and it gets recycled. But the de novo gets NAD from scratch. Right. Both the salvage and David Noah pathway produce NAD at the end of the day. But the fine difference is that the salvage pathway uses the nicotinamide produced from the enzymatic reactions, whereas the de Nova pathway will straight up just use tryptophan that's eventually converted into nicotinic acid to make NAD. Right. In terms of the NAD salvage pathway, nicotinamide and nicotinamide riboside will feed into this route. But the third type of NAD which is the nicotinic acid, will be converted to NAD via the de novo synthesis, right? So in this episode, we talked about many things. We talked about how vitamin B3, aka niacin, is involved in so many reactions that we, we can get this daily intake from our existing diet because it exists in many whole food sources such as, right, turkey and pork, animal liver and brown rice and we talked about pellagra which is the niacin deficiency disease and how increased amounts of niacin do help individuals with niacin responsive genetic disorders because increased increased concentration will stimulate enzymes with a decreased cofactor binding so that more binding will allow niacin for optimal functioning we also talked about NAD and NADH, right? We learned about this guy in high school biology. And there are four types of enzymes that really facilitate the NAD levels in our body, right? The first three, parpsituin, CD36. These guys all use available NAD in your body. Get them in their respective um, reactions. Like, for example, you know, PARP, all about DNA repair. Sirtuin. Right, all about altering epigenetics. We've got IDO, all about using tryptophan to make NAD, and we have CD38 
that uses NAD to generate calcium release, um, which is needed for this mechanism your immune system takes place in in order to actually um, have enhanced immunity. Um, One thing that I wanted to quickly mention was that when you are sick or when you're ill, like for example, the cold or flu, your CD36 um, enzymes are going to be working a lot harder um, due to the fact that they are very involved in the mechanism for your immune system to react to chemical stimuli. So oftentimes, having a higher intake of niacin during those periods of time could be very beneficial, right? Um, lastly, we talked about the two pathways. We got the first pathway, de novo synthesis. We have parpsituin, CD36. They all use NAD um, in their reactions. Afterwards, they form nicotinic. I mean, um, nico, nicotinamide. And that um, goes through the de novo. I mean, that goes through the salvage pathway to make NAD. And we have the de novo synthesis that uses tryptophan and gets converted into nicotinic acid and then NAD. Right? Hope you enjoyed the summary, my friend. Well, that's all I have for you today about niacin and its role in your body. If you enjoyed this episode then you're in luck because I know that the next few episodes in this micronutrient series will be a transformative ride full of what scientific excitement and curiosity that will last you a lifetime. I'm going to leave you with the same message I leave you in every single one of our Do Your Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thank you so much for your time and your attention, and above all, thank you for your interest in science.